couple verses of what I'm going to read on the screen. The second half will not be on the screen. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that, your, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. These are the words of Jesus spoken to his disciples in John chapter 15. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, the children to come forward. Kids who are between four years old up through and including first grade. We have children's church for you guys today. So if you guys would like to come forward, we'll pray together and then you can go on out to children's church. How's it going, guys? You doing all right? Yeah? All right. Well, it's, it's good. To, it looks like, oh, okay. Here, here come Hadassah and Samuel. I, I thought we might have a really small group today. All right. All right. So I just wanted to let you know, here's something we're going to be doing. I had my microphone off. I don't know if you could hear me. I'm kind of quiet. But, but after, <laughs> after, after I preach my sermon today, but before you guys come in, because you guys usually come in at the last song, right? Do you come in when we're singing? Yeah. So at the end of my sermon, we're going to be praying. All of us here are going to be praying for each other, okay? So I just wanted to, to let you guys know that, and I wanted to tell you that I think it's a good idea. If you, if you don't... Come on down, Grayson. I'm glad you're here, buddy. I just wanted to tell you, I think it's a really good idea. On your way home today, if you could ask your parents what they prayed for, Okay? On your way home today, ask your parents what they prayed for. Can you do that? On your way home today, what are you going to ask your parents? What they prayed for. On your way home today, what are you going to ask your parents, Hadassah? You're going to ask them what they prayed for. Exactly, exactly. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pray now for all of us, and I'm going to hope that you guys remember that. Ask your parents what they prayed for. Remember how we pray? I usually put my hands together. I bow my head and close my eyes. It helps me to think about Jesus better. God, I thank you for these boys and girls. I thank you that we can pray to you. Lord, I am thankful that even when these boys and girls pray, that you hear them. Lord, you hear all their prayers, not just for old people or tall people, 
But Lord, you hear all of our prayers. Thank you, God. Lord, we love you. And I pray for these boys and girls now as they go to children's church. I pray that they'll learn even more about how much you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, boys and girls. You can go on out to the children's church now. As many of you know, um, I was not here last week. Uh, last week, um, I was with uh, Chad Stoltzfus and with my friend Henry Zook and with 447 other men out in a, uh, at a Young Life camp in Fraser, Colorado. And so we woke up on Sunday morning. There was about four inches of snow on the ground. The Rocky Mountains were in the background. It was beautiful. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to sit in a room about this size with 450 men who love the Lord and just to hear them singing together and praying together. <laughs> mm. that's, that's, that's where I was last week. And the reason why I was there is because um, the, the group at uh, Wild Heart, John Eldridge is kind of the, the leader of that group, but um, they're putting together a new film series. Uh, they've called it Survival School for, for men to be able to lead um, other men to a closer walk with Jesus. And so for those people like myself and like Chad and like, like my friend Henry back here, Henry and Lydia, glad you're with us today. For those of us who have been leading men's events before, they invited us uh, to come out to Colorado and just be part of, of that experience. And, and it was a powerful time out there. And, and one of the things that kept coming up over and over and over again in the teaching is, is look, there are 450 men in this room who are all Christians, who have all made commitments to Jesus Christ and who are all leading ministries in one way or the other, okay? So this was not an evangelistic event. This was a discipleship event going deeper in our faith. And the challenge over and over and over was, if you're going to find real life, if you're going to find joy, if you're going to find healing, and if you're going to find meaning, you have to seek Jesus first. Above all other things, there are other tools that are good and helpful. It is good to be plugged into a local church. It is good to get therapy if you need therapy. It's good to get counseling if you need counseling. It is good to have friends and small groups and people you can pray with, but you must have Jesus first. And that was a really helpful message for me. I didn't know exactly what the theme of the week was going to be, but it was really fun to see that coming together because as you know, for the last six or seven weeks, what I've been doing here is preaching through all of Jesus' I am statements in the Gospel of John. We started back in October and Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And then Jesus said that I am the gate, and he said, I am the good shepherd, and we talked about how Jesus is all of these things based on his own statements, and now today we come to this last I am statement in the book of John, and Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, and Jesus says, he is the vine, God is the gardener, and we are the branches that branch off of the vine. Now, by the time this teaching came up in John 15, just want to give you a little bit of setting here because I know it's hard sometimes to remember what's happening in Jesus' life as he's giving these teachings. This teaching, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And by the time we got here, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet on what we might call Maundy Thursday or the Thursday before Easter. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. Jesus has predicted that Judas will betray him. Jesus has predicted that Peter will deny him. In John 13, verse 37, Peter said to Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. 
And then Jesus answered Peter, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So that's already happened by the time we get here to John 15, when Jesus says, I am the true vine. Jesus addresses Philip's questions and Thomas's questions and the questions of the other Judas. You see that through John 13 and 14. How would you like to be that guy? You're one of Jesus' disciples, right? Yeah, what's your name? Judas. Oh, no, no, not that Judas, right? I'm the other one. But immediately after this talk, which would have happened late Thursday night, perhaps early into Friday morning, the Friday that we call Good Friday, there is this talk that we find in John 15, this discourse about loving and remaining, and Jesus says this. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And so Jesus is talking to his disciples and they know that he's going to die soon. They don't know all the details yet. There's a lot that's going to unfold in the next 24 hours. But he's told them, look, my time is short. Judas, you're going to betray me. Peter, you're going to deny me. All of you are going to be afraid of what's going to be coming after me. And he says to them, you are going to be persecuted just as I have been. Oh, I mean, if you're part of the world, you'll be cheered, you'll be put on the big screen. They might even pipe you into everybody's house on TV. But Jesus says, that's not what I've chosen you for. I've chosen you out of the world and the world hates you for it. That's all of the context for when Jesus gives them this metaphor, this picture of who he is and who they are, something to burn into their minds. And so in John 15, verse one, in the midst of this talking, in the midst of these last minute sharings that Jesus gave to his disciples, he said to them, he said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So the picture here, Jesus is the vine. God is watching over him. Now what's a vine like? Are are any of you vintners in here? Anybody grow their own grapes? Do any of you do that? Any of you skilled at that? Yeah, not too many. See, when Jesus spoke this, these fellows would have understood a lot more about growing grapes than what most of us do. This was more part of their culture, but he gave them this picture so that they could relate. He said, look, look, I'm a vine, you are the branches. If you want a good picture of this, um, inside here, we have kind of a, an evergreen vine here, sort of, kind of, but the thing is, in a couple of weeks, this thing's gonna turn brown because these are really just branches that have been cut off from the vine, right? That's the thing about Christmas stuff. It smells good and it looks good. Well, this one's gonna last forever now that I look at it. (laughs) Maybe look at the trees here in the front of the church. There is something, and these are still fresh. You can still smell them. If you like to smell a Christmas tree, stick your nose in here on the way up. But even these, you know what's at the bottom of this tree, right? There's a tree stand with a bucket of water in it because this tree has been separated from its roots. That, that, that's kind of a picture of what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus says, I'm the vine, my father is the gardener. What we might say, or what Jesus might say if he was a Christmas tree farmer, he would say, I am the root. My father is the Christmas tree guy. And now here we are with the branches hanging up, looking forward to the coming of Jesus. We don't usually bring these vines inside. If you want a picture of a good vine, maybe better than the tree, just 
just walk about 100 yards south of our church here, there's an oak, or I'm sorry, there's a walnut tree right in the middle of our meadow. And it's got a poison ivy vine that is hard to kill, all wrapped around it. You want to see a vine go down and look at that today. Don't stick your nose in that one. But Jesus opens with this picture so that these disciples can get it. And I think it's one that we can wrap our minds around too as we have these branches that will soon die in the front of our church. He says, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. The picture is that God is watching over Jesus and watching over us and God's at work in the vine so that it bears fruit. In the rest of John 15, Jesus twice told his disciples his command. Do you remember it? I read it for you. Jesus says that we are to love each other. What it means to be fruitful is that we are loving each other, obviously, and in a way that can be seen. And if we love each other, God brings out more. He works in our lives. Sometimes it's to pruning. Sometimes it hurts. It doesn't go the way that we expect it. Sometimes we need to be reshaped because like some of the vines, like some of the branches... We go out on our own from time to time, but Jesus says he is the vine and God is the gardener. And now in verse three, he says, you all, and remember, he's talking to his disciples here. He's not talking to unsaved folks. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In other words, Jesus says, I am working in your life even already because you've been close to me. You've been loving, you've been obedient. You're following after me. Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's getting ready to leave. His time on earth is short. And now in verse four, he enters in with this word remain. That's at least the translation that we have here in our NIV Bible that we're reading from today. He says in verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That word, it almost feels like repetition. It feels redundant if we read it out loud, but Jesus is getting to a point here. He says this remain thing is important. Remaining means that you have been there and you must continue to stay there. Jesus says, I have been working in you. I have cleansed you and now stay there. Don't step away from me. Don't step away from this. Interestingly, now you know that I am not a Greek scholar. That's not something that I have a lot of deep knowledge in, but this remain word kept popping up. In fact, it pops up four more times in the next couple of verses. So I got thinking about this remain and, and used some uh, online tools and, and the Greek word behind our English word for remain is interestingly enough, meno. Any meno knights out there? The, the Greek word that was written down is meno, remain in me, meno in me. And as we look at all the other different ways that meno is used in the scriptures, we, we see that what it means is not just to remain, but it means also to stay there, to abide there, to tarry there. Any of you ever hear that word in the old hymns? Tarry there. This is what meno means. And so Jesus says, meno in me, as I also meno in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must meno in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you meno in me. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus, when he sent out his 72 disciples, he said, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and meno at their house until you leave, right? So it's kind of a stay there kind of a thing. In Luke chapter 1, 56, we'll get into this over the next two weeks. 
The angel came and spoke to Mary and said, you will be with child. And then Mary went and visited her relative Elizabeth. And it says in Luke 1:56 that Mary menowed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. She stayed there. She remained there. She menowed there. In the beginning of the gospel of John, says that John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and meno on Jesus after he was baptized. And John said in one, verse one, chapter one, verse 33, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and meno is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is God's chosen one. Jesus says, remain in me, meno. Remain in the vine, meno. You can bear no fruit unless you remain in me. Remain is a fine word here, but Jesus is calling his disciples when he says to meno in him, he's calling for more than just hang in there. He's calling for more than just stick with it. He's calling for us to abide with him, to tarry with him. There's this idea of, of a little bit of slowing down, not of just being static and stationary, but 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 slowing down a bit to abide with him as Mary did with Elizabeth, as the Holy Spirit did on Jesus, as the disciples did when they came across a hospitable home. Jesus says, I want you to be that way with me as I have been that way with you. Jesus has told his disciples that he's going to die soon. In fact, it will be tomorrow on his calendar. They can't stay at his house, these disciples, because he doesn't have one. They can't have a coffee with him anymore because they probably didn't drink it. He's dying. He's dying, and they're going to be hated and persecuted, and yet he says he wants them to meno with him, abide with him, remain in him. This meno, this abiding, this remaining, this gets lost, I think, for a lot of us. What has your week been like? How was your Thanksgiving? Now, I want, I want to be very careful. I'm, I'm going to make a broad generalization here, so I'm going to leave some of you out. I know for some of you, you wished there would have been more people around. Some of you are not close to your family. Some of you have had a tough week because you felt isolated. But I'll bet there are some of you who have had a tough week because you were not isolated at all. How many of you... How many of you were stuck with a lot of people? How many of you were stuck with a lot of activities going from here to there to there to there? Or if your past week wasn't too bad, how's your next month looking? Are any of you just kind of dreading that call? Hey, hey do you have any free time? Abiding is difficult for us. I mean, we go lots of places. We hang out lots of places. We think we're connected because of the things that are told to us through our screens. But how many people do you really abide with? Husbands and wives, how are you doing at abiding with your spouses? Isn't that difficult? Finding that time to just be together, to ask each other questions, to get to know each other more, to ask, what are you thinking? And then to be able to talk about it without being interrupted or have to go, have to go, have to go. Oh, church, we work hard, and that's a good thing because when God calls us, we ought to work as if we're working for him. But Jesus calls us here very clearly over and over. He says, remain in me, abide with me, meno with me. 
And even though he was getting ready to die, he told his disciples to do this. So it's not even just a physicality thing. It's not even just about being physically close to each other. Jesus says, I want you to dwell with me and be close with me, even though I'm not here with you. Any of you ever feel guilty for sitting still? It's probably a sign that it's difficult for you to abide. And maybe you found too much value in your production. Any of you have to be up and doing all the time? How are you doing with your abiding? Why can't you be still? Why can't you be quiet? This is why Jesus has to tell these disciples, remain in me as I remain in you. Remain in the vine. You can't do anything apart from it. Church, have you been abiding with Jesus? Have you been menowing at all? John 15, 5, Jesus goes on. He goes on. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And now here it comes again. If you remain in me. What was the Greek word? If you menow in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember, he's dying tomorrow. Okay? This isn't just about Jesus being there as the big brother, powerful and strong, and and follow me, guys, I'll, I'll lead you into the fray. No, this is Jesus saying, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, but I want you guys to continue to abide with me even as you live in this world. Remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus continues the metaphor here, this time actually using a simile. He says, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers and is thrown into the fire. He says that apart from him, they've got nothing, no fruit, no purpose, no life. Apart from him, they are a Christmas tree that looks fine for a couple of weeks. And then pretty soon you can't wait to take it outside. And what do you do with it? You throw it on the fire and doesn't that thing burn? Jesus says in verse seven though, but if you remain, if you menow in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Oh, now this one hangs people up, doesn't it? How many of you are starting to get excited? Ask whatever you wish. I mean, this is the season of the wish book, right? And if you get the wish book as kids, I don't know how Sears knew to send that thing to our house, but they did. And somewhere around late September or early October, and especially if mom didn't catch it in the mail first, oh, there was that Christmas wish book and all the different things, and, and I'd circle pages, and, and then Steph would take it, and she'd have her stuff in the girl section, and, and we would just circle all the things that we wanted for Christmas, and be, this is our wish book. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Jesus says, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. No, 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 no. No, what Jesus is talking about here is couched in the fact he's eight times he said the word meno, right? Eight times he's told people to remain in him. The whole point is that if you are remaining in Jesus, you will ask for the things that Jesus wants. You will ask for the good and godly things that God has in store, If you remain in Jesus, that takes away all the selfishness and all the pride and all the arrogance that says, I need this, I ought to have that, I better get it. No, Jesus says, if you remain in me, and if my words, that is the teachings of Jesus, that is all the stuff that he brought to them, he says, if all of that is in you, 
Well, what's going to come out of you? It's going to come the Jesus words. It's going to come the attitude of Jesus. He says, whenever you ask for things, it will be done for you because it will be from me. And I am pleased to give it. He says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Eight times Jesus told his disciples to minnow in him. And now 2,000 years later, the same call echoes for us. We know what Jesus has done. We know his promise that he's coming again to finish the work that he started and that we are now continuing. And here we are waiting. What did we sing? Waiting here for you. And Jesus says, minnow, abide with me. Remain, stay with me. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I've got four things. Chad and Henry, you might remember and recognize a couple of these. I'm just plagiarizing from people smarter than me. But church, I'm going to send them along to you. And here is, here is the first thing. Here's how you abide with Jesus. Here are some steps in this path to a lifetime of abiding with Jesus. First of all, remove, remove all the distractions that you can. We live in a world, you and I, and, and I know some of you here in this world are trying, in this room are trying to live a simpler lifestyle. I know it. Press on, brothers and sisters. Keep doing that. But we are bombarded. I mean, honestly, how many messages have you heard in the last week from someone somewhere? Somebody looking for your dollar, somebody looking for your vote, somebody looking for your assent, and somebody looking for your time. There are so many distractions in our lives that we don't need. A lot of it's tied up in technology. Phones and gadgets and screens of all kinds. Some of you are entirely too connected and distracted by social media. You tell me that it's so that you can keep up with the people that you love, but all you're really doing is spying on a whole bunch of people that don't love you very much. I'm sorry, is that too honest? And so much of that social media interaction is not really a connection. It turns into a distraction because now you're, you're thinking about somebody out there who, who really doesn't have any bearing on your life and you don't have any bearing on theirs. All you're doing is getting information about the craziness of the world. Is that helping? Church, is that helping? Put it down. Unsubscribe if it's a problem for you. You will not die. I spent a little bit of time last week in airports from Philadelphia to Denver and Denver back to Philadelphia. Do you know the universal pose for humans these days is this? Everywhere you go. And I know there's a lot of good information on there. It helped me to get on my plane. It helped me to know where I was going. And once I landed, it helped me to know where I was driving. I know there are some good tools here, but how many times do you get distracted? How many of you on Thanksgiving Day saw somebody just check out either at your meal or in your living room or at your gathering and this? happened. And I'm not just talking about the 12-year-olds. You want to abide with Jesus? Church, we need to be ruthless about destroying some of these distractions. Here's a challenge for you. Here's a challenge for you. What if anytime you're having people at your house in the next next month, between here and the end of the year, what if you had a big box or a big bowl inside your inside your door? And when people walk in, they put their phone there and they don't touch it again until they leave. All you old people are nodding and saying, yes, we love this. The young people are saying, pastor! <laughs> but I mean, seriously, like, do you need that? This is a challenge for me too, okay? I, I'm, we're in this together here, but 
How many distractions are there that are in your lives that really are not that difficult to get rid of? Can you put down the phone? I think that's a great step to, to really abiding in Jesus. Not just, not just paying lip service, not just like, yeah, 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 I'm coming. But like really abiding with Jesus. So I think we need to remove some of our distractions. That's the first thing. The second thing, I think we need to be okay just being still sometimes and reading or praying or thinking about Jesus. If the vine is the only source for branches to get nourishment, they need to stay connected, right? If life is found only in Jesus, as he says it is, we've got to take our search to him. It's okay to be quiet and to engage with Jesus in our prayers. But we've got to go to him constantly, not just in the quiet moments. We've got to have lives that have those moments where we realize that it's not all about other people, no matter how wonderful the gathering is. That life is not in what we eat or what we drink, no matter how perfect the preparation has been. Life is not in the next vacation, the next day off, or the next adventure. It's not in the next trip to Colorado, fun as it was. Life is not in buying the next thing, or the next place, or the next experience. What does Jesus say? Life is in him. Where does a branch find its life? In the vine. And so I wonder, are you okay just being still and connecting with Jesus in your mind and in your heart through prayer? I think we need to be okay with that sometimes. And even if you are doing things, even if you find yourself having to be at work, having to be around other people, having to engage, can you be connected to Jesus even then? Jesus says, come to me first. I think a lot of us come to him as a last resort. So get rid of the distractions in your life and, and be okay just sitting still sometimes and reading or praying or thinking about Jesus. The third thing that, that we need to do is I think more of us need to surrender more of ourselves. Jesus is very clear in this teaching in John 15 that the focus is not on each individual branch. If I were to tell you, pick me out your favorite branch of this tree over here. You, you, what? What are you talking about? Why do we enjoy it? Because it's all together, right? It gives a nice shape. Look how it all works together. It's, it's a tree like a tree should be. So often, so often we get wrapped up in our own selves, thinking that our little branch is the most important thing. We, we get wrapped up in, in wanting our own way. We take offense and we demand justice for ourselves all the time. I need what's fair. Give me my rights. We get wrapped up in being first. How's the traffic going? We desire honor. We pursue comfort. Jesus says, that is not where you're going to find life. Jesus says, life is in me. Now, sometimes as we, find, as we follow Jesus, sometimes honor is given us. Sometimes we are blessed with comfort. Sometimes Jesus calls us and allows us to go first. Sometimes Jesus brings us our day in court and we get our justice here. Sometimes we get to walk the way that we want to walk to the place we want to go at the time that we want to do it, but that can't be our first desire. We must surrender ourselves to Jesus. We must surrender the self-life constantly because life is not just all about the branches. It's about the branches and the vine and the gardener all being together. As we seek Jesus, we have to surrender ourselves. Get rid of the distractions. Be all right with being alone with Jesus. Surrender yourself. And then finally, as Jesus said in the rest of John 15, we've got to love each other. 
When we see a tree or a garland, we don't get stuck on each individual branch, right? We're looking at the whole. In the same way, we've got to think of each other and love each other. That starts with setting ourselves aside, but it also starts with recognizing the others around us. Now, loving each other doesn't just mean we slap, one each, slap each other on the back and say, brother, you're just all right. Sometimes love is tough. God, in our growing, sometimes he prunes us, and pruning is cutting off that which was did not. Ooh, let me try that again. Pruning is cutting off that which does not need to be there. Sometimes the cutting hurts. Sometimes love also is painful. It is difficult to love each other, isn't it? Do you know why? It's because these, these are people that we're trying to love. But Jesus calls us, in fact, commands us to love each other. Love challenges and corrects and comforts and encourages. How many of you had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your wedding? It told you that love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Well, that's a good place to start, right? It doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Jesus says, remain in me, persevere, stick with me, find your nourishment in me, get rid of the distractions, abide with me, surrender yourself, abide with me, love each other, know with me. And Jesus says in John 15, I've told you all this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You want some of that? We talk a lot about joy. Even the not yet Jesus people talk about a lot of joy this time of the year, but don't you want some of that? Jesus says, I've told you all of this, this whole vine thing, this whole branches and this whole gardener thing. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Church, get rid of the distractions. Set yourself aside. Love others and follow hard after Jesus. This is where joy is. This is where love is. And let me tell you, you will find it nowhere else. Why are you chasing after that which is not life? Follow hard after Jesus. Will you pray with me, church? Band, stay right where you're at. Thank you, God, for giving us the scriptures that we can read your words and that we can see your instruction. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to us so lovingly, for instructing your disciples and instructing us so clearly. Holy Spirit, thank you for filling our hearts and filling our minds so that we can understand and work this out together. God, we desire to be closer to you. Some of us are errant branches. We've been, we've been growing off in our own way. Lord, prune us if we need to be pruned. We want to stay connected to you. We want to be fruitful and we want to be loving. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've stepped out of bounds. Forgive us for the times that we've sinned and simply done things the way we wanted to do them. Lord, please forgive us. And Jesus, would you, please, would you please cover us with your blood now and restore us to closeness and union with you, to closeness and, and real life with our Father? Oh, Lord Jesus, we want your joy, and we desire for it to be complete. So Lord, help us now as we endeavor to, to connect more closely with you. Lord, work in us and, and, and fill in the gaps do for us the things that we can't do for ourselves. 
because we love you and we want to be close. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I know, I know because I've gotten to talk to some of you that there are some things going on in life that are difficult right now. Some of you are living through what Jesus predicted for his disciples when he said the world's going to hate you, life is going to be hard, and there will be pain. Before we get into our last song today and kind of send ourselves out with music, I did want to ask, what prayer requests do you have on your heart? John got to pray earlier for those that were written down and for the things that, that we knew about earlier in the week. But I just know that there are some things that are in the room right now that, that I think we can be more closely connected with Jesus if we bring these things out and offer them to God and simply ask for his healing and for his connection. So I'm just asking you, if you have a prayer request or, or, or anything that you want to celebrate, would you just kind of stand up where you're at and just let me know? I'll repeat it back to the church, and then we'll pray for you. Yeah, Susie. I have laser eye surgery tomorrow on my left eye for glaucoma, and next Sunday my daughter gets married. Susie has laser eye surgery tomorrow on her left eye for glaucoma, and next Sunday your daughter's getting married. So that whole thing about, like, what's going on the next couple weeks, how's your calendar? Yeah, it's full. Why do... Hey, church, can we pray for Susie Hur as she gets ready for uh, glaucoma surgery tomorrow as she prepares to be the mother of the bride on Sunday? Church, let's pray together. God, we lift up our sister Susie to you. I pray for her doctors and nurses and for all the people who will give her care tomorrow that they would be perfect. I pray that this surgery would go well and that she'd be able to see clearly, especially the events of the next week when she gets to be with her daughter, the young man who will be her son-in-law, I pray that she can see clearly to celebrate all that and take it all in and give you glory for all of it. Lord, we ask for your health and for your wholeness and your healing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Kathy Blank's sister passed away last Sunday. Um, passed away peacefully, but it's still difficult. And here we are right in the middle of holiday season. Um, Kathy, can you remind me again of your sister's first name? Thelma. Thelma. All right. Um, can we pray together? God, I thank you that we, have, that we have hope and peace when our brothers and sisters in Christ come home to be with you. But Lord, Thelma leaves a bit of a hole in the lives of her friends and family. And so we pray especially now for Kathy and the rest of her family um, as they grieve and as they mourn. And Lord, I pray that Kathy and all of her siblings would find their comfort and their hope and their strength in you. Lord Jesus, please be a strong vine for them now, even in this time of loss. Amen. Amen. My mother just turned 99 this past Tuesday. Thanks for that. <laughs> Donna, Donna just said that her mother turned 99 this past Tuesday. Praise for that. And I'm sure there are a million prayer requests that go along with being 99. But let's, what, what's your mom's first name, Donna? Elsie. Let, let's pray for Elsie. God, I thank you for these 99 years. And I pray that right now would be the best of times for Elsie. I pray that she knows you and gets close to you and, and can be filled with your joy. And I thank you that Donna got to celebrate with her this week. Lord, thank you. And we praise you for this gift of years. May they be lived well. Amen. Drew? Uh, they were, 
All right, so, so Paige, your, your due date was Friday. And so you're, as Drew said, she's ready. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, let's, let's pray for Paige and Drew. All right, can we pray for you? Lord, I, uh, I thank you for the excitement about this life that is to be. And Lord, I pray that your timing would be just right. And that you will help Drew and Paige to be all right with that. And I pray that you will help this baby to be all right with that. I pray for health and strength. But Lord, I pray for, I pray for a birth right now. As we look forward to the return of Jesus and as we celebrate his birth, Lord, we would, we would love to see another in the Conan house. So please, Lord, um, would you be with Drew and Paige today and just move this baby that everything would be great and healthy and strong. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Wilmer. You want to do something a little different? I'm not surprised. Is <laughs> that okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked two brothers in the church to come up and pray for me. I got a testimony to say. Then I said, my destruction is sealed, for I'm a sinful man <laughs> and a member of a sinful race. What's that look like? Hmm. Looks like you need a savior. I'm saved, but I'm so thankful that the Lord has blessed me over the years. And I'm 80 years old. And the doctors tell me I have a weak heart. And Brother Je or, uh, West Boyer passed away with the same thing I have. Hmm. And it's making me think that, you know, I'm closer to death than I was 20 years ago, and we all are, mm -hmm. or 10 years ago. And I'm so thankful for this church and the message this morning spoke to my heart. And I wish everybody the peace and joy that I have. So, Learn to know Jesus more. So even as these years are going on, and even as your body yes. is not as strong, you're still finding joy because you have a I Savior. Am, I am. I, I'm looking forward to death without no fear. Without any fear? Can I pray for you? Yes, and I want John, Bob and John. All right. I ask him. Fellas, if, you're, if you knew to come pray for Wilmer, come, let's pray for Wilmer. Church. Don't mind. I don't <laughs> I guess it'll be okay. <laughs> Church, we're going to pray for Wilmer. We're going to pray for Wilmer. God, I'm thankful for my brother Wilmer, and I'm thankful for his testimony, that even though he's a sinful man from a sinful race of people, Amen. you've saved him. Amen. Lord, you've saved him from his sins, and you've saved him into a whole life. Lord, you continue to speak to him. His body is not as strong as it was, and we know that he, just like all of us, is one day closer to death than he was before. But Lord, I thank you that he can face that with no fear. Help us all to have that kind of courage and boldness, knowing that our faith will not leave us wanting. And Lord, I pray that you'll give Wilmer and his wife Arlene, all of his children, grandchildren, yes, great-grandchildren, Lord, give them the same kind of faith. Strengthen them up, even in these difficult days. Lord, we love you and praise you. Amen. 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 I want to thank Bob here. He's been sending me cards in the mail. And I'm encouraging everybody else to do the same.
Wilmer said he wants to thank Bob for sending cards in the mail. I've noticed a number of you have started doing that lately. Thank you, church. What other prayer requests are there today? Phil. You guys able to hear that? Phil, just, just ask for continued prayers, but also a thank you for prayers for him and Elaine. Uh, it's more difficult to get here sometimes in the morning, but, uh, but it's good to be here. And, and Phil was just saying thank you for meals and, and for prayers. Phil, we're going to pray for you and Elaine both, okay? God, I thank you for my brother and my sister. I thank you for the Hertzogs. Lord, I pray that you'll bless their household now. Health is difficult. The days are difficult. But Lord, you've helped us to rally around each other and, and Phil gives a testimony now of, of others helping out. So God, thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit, please come in a fresh way now. And Phil, fill up Phil and Elaine so that they might know your joy and your life even in this time of difficulty and challenge. Amen. Yeah, Jess. I know that when God speaks to me, it's, it's really powerful. And I had a situation a couple of weeks ago where somebody that I went to high school with kind of like popped up back into my life. And um, for a couple of weeks prior to actually getting to catch up with the person, I felt the Holy Spirit have me really pray for this person's salvation to the, the point that like it was deep, like on my knees. Hmm. So I just wanted to say a praise for God because we're living in a crazy, crazy world where there's a lot of hurting people. This friend of mine accepted Christ as his Savior on Friday night. It was so amazing. And I was able to let him know that I prayed so hard for him. Um, but I just asked to pray for this person as... Um, God would bring the people into his life to disciple him and have me be an, a really excellent example of Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. so, so God brought somebody from high school into Jess's mind. Um, Jess was praying and praying and praying for that guy, got to run into him. That fellow accepted Christ as his savior this week. Jess, what kind of story is this? This is amazing. And and now, and it's going to get better. Amen. And Jess is just praying that she can be a great example, but that, but that a fellowship of believers would come around this fellow and, and encourage him and lift him up. Can we, we'll pray for Jess's friend right now. God, I thank you that you are still at work, and I thank you that we get to share testimonies of your work happening here around us and among us. Lord, I pray that you would um, help us to be able to see more and more and more people like Jess's friend come to faith in you. And help us to rally around those folks in such a way that they can be strengthened and sanctified and grow more and more and more like Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you help all of us to continue to be on our knees, praying and crying out for those around us who are lost. Lord, help us to remember that there are no lost causes because you are still at work. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Kyle. She was in the hospital for three weeks, uh, came home on Monday, and 
healed yet and uh, and spiraled pretty quickly downhill on, on Wednesday. Had to call an ambulance um, to take her back to the hospital. And uh, we're, we're realizing this is going to be a, a long-term uh, healing process. Pray for Thank you, Kyle. Kyle asked for prayers for uh, for him and his wife Heidi, and um, for all the kids, for Lily and Haley and Destiny, and Joey, Quincy and Brody, but especially for Lily. Um, Lily was hospitalized for a few weeks, came home earlier this week, and um, was not fully healed. wasn't ready to be back at home, and so uh, she's in the hospital again. And this is going to be a long run. And so, uh, can we pray together? Can we pray together for the deaf family? God, thank you that you've not left us without hope. Lord, I'm thankful that Lily has given her life to you. She declared her faith in you. We baptized her here at this church. I thank you that she's yours. Lord, right now is such a hard time for her, for Kyle and Heidi, and for her siblings. Lord, we lift them all up. Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do to comfort the Neff family, to comfort Lily, even now, to bring health and healing and wholeness in every way that it's needed. And Lord, help us to be a church that continues to rally around our brothers and sisters to encourage and pray and help and hope. Lord, we love you. Amen. Yes. Hi, Laurie. Okay. Laurie uh, has asked us to pray for three grown prodigal children. Laurie, let's pray for your children. God, I, I pray, pray that you would work in the hearts of Laurie's children. Strengthen Laurie as well as she goes through this holiday time, which really magnifies a lot of feelings. But I pray for her children that they, would, that they would know the truth about you, that they would accept you and accept your salvation. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Eileen. Joyce will be coming home in a couple of weeks, halfway around the world. That's my sister's wedding. Grandson Bryce is coming home from uh, his mission work around the world. Um, he'll be coming home in about a week for uh, his sister Michelle's wedding, which is on December 17th. Let's pray for Bryce that he has good travels. Lord, we thank you for our brother Bryce and that you've put it on his heart to live and work for you. Give him uh, the ability to wrap things up well and give him the ability to travel well so he can come home and celebrate well. Pray for Michelle and Cody as they prepare to get married. Pray that all the details would fall in line. But I pray that you prepare their hearts for each other. And Lord, I thank you for this time of celebration and for the celebration that will be in the Angle family. We love you, Lord. Amen. Yeah, Chad. So we will pray, Chad and Natalie, we will pray for health for everyone in your home. Is that all right? Oh, God, may your health be upon the, the Piper house. Lord, I know that there's been uh, a difficulty with sleep and all kinds of feelings and all kinds of baby stuff. Lord, you know these bodies so much better than we do. 
I thank you for the joy that you've given Chad and Natalie for each other, for their family and for their lives. Now I pray that you would continue to give them peace, give them rest, and please give them healing um, just with all the physical stuff that, that needs your attention. Lord, I thank you for good doctors that are helpful. I pray that um, the things would continue to go well for the Pipers as they seek your wholeness as a family together. Amen. Happy. Okay. All right. We will pray for Portia Breckbill, Dennis's mother. Um, she's been lingering for some time, and I believe she's ready to go home. Okay. Hap lives out at the uh, Coryville Presbyterian home, and so he's got a patient out there, Miss Anna, who has bad health. So let's pray for Anna and Portia. God, watch over these ladies. Strengthen their faith. Strengthen their families and all those who give care to them. And Lord, I pray that I pray that you would quickly heal those who need to be healed. And Lord, please quickly bring home those who are ready to be home with you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Robin. Robin asked for just prayers for the Oaks ministry. Uh, they're looking for another residential house manager. And so, as she said, we know that God supplies all our needs, but it doesn't hurt to ask. So, so let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the work that you've been doing through the Oaks ministry. I pray that you would bring, bring the folks to that ministry who need to be there, both as clients and as staff. Lord, I pray for your, for your powerful presence to continue in each of the Oaks houses. I pray that, that these ladies would recognize and live out the fact that they are branches connected to you as the vine. And Lord, I pray that you would bear much fruit there. But Lord, help now, and please bring forward a residential house residential house manager. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, this has been a powerful time of prayer. Um, I'm going to take the liberty and say that we're going to save our last song for next week. But here's what I'd like you to do. You've heard a lot of prayers just now. As you go from this place, if there's somebody you need to check in with and encourage, encourage them. But as you go from this place, I pray that you will be continuing to pray for all the ways that you need to be connected with Jesus as the vine. So many prayer requests we brought in forward, we just continue to bring these all to Jesus. And I wonder if we can sing a little bit of a praise God here as we go. Praise God from whom all...